We're not scared of anybody. We're not beating the computers. You gotta beat the computers. No, no butterflies for me, because, I mean, I'm pretty much built for this. I told you it was gonna play well. I told all y'all, y'all don't listen. I think y'all know everything. Y'all don't listen. Well, I just think that's a bunch of BS. The spin move is obviously, you know, one of my favorite moves. You know, maybe one day I can get it as good as y'all today. Been under a rock? Absolutely. I listen to it all the time. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Boot Up, the LSU Basketball Podcast. As always, I'm Cody Worsham, digital media reporter for LSU Athletics. Want to recap LSU's first three games of the season. Today, the Tigers off to a two and one start, lost to St. Louis, a good St. Louis team in St. Louis and uh, won two games uh, sandwiched around that SIU Edwardsville in the opener and Southeastern at home on Monday night, which I was at. It was good to have basketball back in the PMAC, getting closer to normalcy. That's the phrase that I keep using, and it's the phrase that I'm hanging on to. It feels like we're getting closer to a normal basketball season. Uh, I will say, don't don't get too, too comfortable um, just because you're seeing it across college basketball. Schedule changes, uh, teams adjusting to this COVID reality, and so I think it's, it's still... It's not going to be linear progress. You'll have two steps forward, one step back at times. But uh, so far, so good for LSU on that regard. Decent start to the season. Not exactly where LSU would want to be. You'd want to be 3-0 and at this point. I will say um, that that St. Louis team is, is is very good. Probably, as John Rothstein said, uh, that was hard to say, John Rothstein said, one of the best non-Power 5 teams in the country. And uh, you, you, it was a good test for LSU. You saw... Some of the flaws uh, in in LSU, um, some of the things they needed to work on. Will Wade actually took a little blame uh, after that loss, or actually, actually after the Southeastern win, he took some blame for the St. Louis loss. We'll get into all of that in a second. First, I want to start big picture. I do have a lot of sound to get to um, from Will Wade. From uh, I don't think I'm going to play play any player audio uh, today. I do have interviews with Trenton Watford and uh, and Cam Thomas after the game. I may play a couple clips. You may have actually heard those guys in the intro. going to try to switch up the intro um, throughout the season and, and just mix in guys uh, talking, make that kind of a fun aspect of the show. So some of you may have skipped it. I do that with a lot of podcasts I listen to. Just hit that 15 seconds forward two or three times and uh, get to where I want to go. But uh, I did mix in some new audio for the intro if you uh, if you want to hear some of those guys. Okay, let's start big picture. Like I said, LSU 2-1. and one. Uh, What we've seen from this team so far is pretty similar to what we've seen from Will Wade teams of past at LSU. They are going to be able to score the ball basically at will. That St. Louis team is one of the best defensive teams in the country. I think Will Wade said, if you look at last year's defensive numbers, they're the third best defense LSU will face all season. And LSU had no trouble scoring and they haven't had any trouble scoring all season. 94 points in the opener, 81 in the second game, 96 against Southeastern. They are going to be able to score the ball at will. And we'll talk about some of the individuals that can contribute to that. But all of their numbers right now are incredible. Adjusted efficiency, they're number five in the country. Effective field goal percentage, they're number 11 in the country. Um, they're not turning the ball over a whole lot. They're making their three-pointers 39.5%, which is a very, very welcome sight. Making their free throws 80%, getting to the free throw line a ton. 44% of, uh, of the time they're getting to the free throw line, or their, their free throw rate is 44.7%, which is a very, very high figure. So... The offense is uh, is very good. The defense is a work in progress, as we've seen. Uh, it is a very different defensive system. And I think Southeastern, it was definitely the best defensive performance from LSU this year. And I will say this, 
look, consider the competition. Southeastern is, is not the best team that LSU will play this year. However, holding them to 43 points, it was the, the, the least points LSU had given up since I think like 2011 when they gave up 37 to maybe like Northwestern State or somebody like that. Um, you can't judge LSU's defense and say, oh, they're going to be elite now because of what they did against Southeastern. But like last year's defense wasn't very good. LSU finished 179th in adjusted rating defensively. They never had a defensive game like that where they gave up 43 points and they just were completely dominant, 18 points in, in the first half. They never showed that kind of capability. So we've seen a ceiling now, um, and I wouldn't even say it's a ceiling, but we've seen a peak in this defense that is beyond any peak we saw last year regardless of competition. So that was encouraging. And I guess I'll I'll use this opportunity to jump into that soundbite um, and, and I'll transition into it this way. You're seeing a very different defensive system from LSU this year. And I can't believe I'm starting with defense. Like, I hope, I hope y'all aren't, like, tuning out because you want to hear all about the points and Cam Thomas and Trent Wofford because um, that's the fun stuff. I like offense a hell of a lot better than I like defense. Um, I, I will get to that, I promise. I just want to start with the defense because it is probably the, the thing that LSU is going to have to fix most um, and, and most uh, readily and, and quickly if they want to get to be a championship program. Well, Wade's repeated that. Um, and it is a different system. You've seen LSU play some man-to-man. When they're in man, they're switching just about every screen. Um, they do have the personnel to do that. When you have a 6'4 point guard in Javante Smart and um, you have versatile bigs like Darius Days and Trenton Watford who can basically guard 1-5, to five, you can be very switchy on defense. Um, they've also played a matchup zone that um, has kind of shaped like a 2-3 and then they match up out of it. They've pressed some. We'll talk about the press in a little bit, but they're mixing and matching a lot on defense. And so far, it's been with mixed and matched success. Um, mo- mostly uh, struggles, especially against you know Edwardsville, um, against St. Louis in particular. Will Wade talked about those struggles in that game after the Southeastern win, and I think it's important context to why LSU may have struggled. If you're being optimistic and thinking that LSU can get to be you know, what they were when they made the Sweet 16 run a couple of years ago where they were a top 60 defense and um, a top five, a top four defense in the SEC, um, which is what it takes to win the SEC and, and to make a Sweet 16 run. If you're optimistic they can get there, this is how you would discuss the struggles of the first two games, the way that Will Wade did when he took some blame for strategically hiding some things defensively from St. Louis because he knew he wanted to get that win. It would be a good resume win. He strategic, uh, strategically hid some things from St. Louis, but it also had a downside um, that, that that panned out. Here's what we're talking about, um, that strategy and, and how it led him down in the first two games. It was much better. I probably outsmarted myself earlier. You know, I didn't play any of it against Edwardsville because I wanted to save it for St. Louis, but that looking back, that was stupid. We gave up, we gave up two or three communication errors against St. Louis that just caused point-blank layups. And if we'd have, you know, the advantage we gained from not showing St. Louis what we were doing was probably negated by our, we should have just played it against it. First of all, the Edwardsville game wouldn't have been as close. We never changed our defenses. So we'd have changed our defenses when they went on all those runs. Um, but I probably outsmarted myself trying to save all that. And it ended up hurting us on a couple possessions at St. Louis. And so I think a lot of it's just being more familiar, being more comfortable uh, with it and, and having played it in a couple games. And like I said, my my dumb per- my dumb self should have should have should have probably done that against Edwardsville just played who we are and and and, and we'd have been better off against St. Louis but if you're going to be critical of Will and and Will is 
as self-critical of a coach as I've ever been around. I mean, he's very, very honest about himself. The one thing that he will do is he will uh, over-strategize like he did there. You know, you'll see it sometimes with matchups where they'll leave guys wide open who are poor three-point shooters and then they'll make three-pointers because they're wide open. Um, that's kind of the same principle that happened here. He thought he was doing something smart. It ended up backfiring. But what you got to love about Will Wade is um, he's very willing to admit that and and to fess up. So uh, LSU did look much more comfortable against Southeastern in that defense. It's a, it's a weird defense. I've played a matchup zone before. Um, it, it takes some getting used to. But once you get good at it, it can be very, very difficult for opponents. And I think you saw that with Southeastern, um, who really couldn't figure it out. And then LSU did press a little bit more, too, in that Southeastern game. And the press is something that I think they're going to use more. In fact, I've got a great quote from Will Wade from his radio show last night. By the way, let me point out here. uh, When you finish listening to this episode, go listen to Will Wade's radio show. It's on the LSU Sports uh, or LSU Athletics podcast feed. Um, You go to lsusports.net slash podcast. I'll link it all in the the episode description. His coach's show is phenomenal. I mean, Will is great with the media and all that stuff, but his coach's show in particular is incredibly illuminating. I'm, I'm stealing a ton of stuff from it on, on this podcast and probably future podcasts. I'm just letting you know. But he, he he bears it all. He tells every detail. He's very honest. He's very candid. He's got great anecdotes. He's funny. Him and Chris Blair have great chemistry. It's an incredibly entertaining listen. So go listen to that when you're done with this. Back to uh, the episode at hand. He did talk about on, on the radio show about the press and how they're going to press more. Part of it is going to be personnel when they get some guys back. When Charles Manning comes back, when Josh LeBlanc gets back, and they have some more bodies, um, they can press more and, and, and u- utilize their depth. Um, but part of it is, is just getting used to that system. What they've seen from the press so far has been very encouraging. Yes, I, I do want to press more. Um, we're going to continue to work on it. Um, but, yeah, we, we do want to press more. We've got another couple different iterations of the press we want to put in and it's very effective for us. In that Edwardsville game, we didn't guard them very well, but they, we, we pressed them 26 possessions. They scored 18 points. It's like .64 points a possession, which is tremendous. And so um, we measure miles per hour, accelerations, decelerations. All of our stuff is better when we're in the, when we're in the press. And so uh, we want to continue to get into it and keep changing our presses up. And uh, I think that's something we can do to be, uh, to be more successful. LSU has great press personnel. Um, when you have guys like Trenton Wofford, who's extremely long and mobile and can cover a lot of ground, um, Moani Wilkinson looked fantastic in the press against Southeastern in that kind of you – remember, you remember that Anthony Hickey role that he used to play? It's almost like a, a free safety at the back of the diamond of the press. You, you just kind of roam around and get picks, and Anthony Hickey was the best I've ever seen at it. Uh, Moani Wilkinson might – be even better uh, at some point just because he's more athletic, bigger, uh, and, and seems to have the same instinct for, for grabbing that ball. Um, the press has looked really good for LSU, as you heard Will mention there, and they've got data to track it. And uh, hopefully it's something we see more of. I promise I'm about to get to the offense. I want to finish with this, though, because I did mention this earlier. Um, part of LSU's defensive issues, and, and this is going to happen with every single basketball team ever, and this is what happened with LSU last year, and it was the opposite of what happened the year before. Your defense can only be as good as your personnel is. And the type of player LSU has recruited has been, you know, in particular, the, the, the best players on the team, uh, the Javante Smarts, Trenton Wofford, Darius Days. They are extremely talented offensive players with defensive limitations. They're not super athletic. They're not super long. Trenton's pretty, pretty long. They're not lightning quick. 
um, they're, but they're big and strong and they, and they have some, some abilities. And so you have to play into their strengths. When you have guys like that, you really need something else to hang your hat on. You need a rim protector like Cavell Bigby Williams, who was the eraser for LSU or a Jordan Mickey, even a couple of years before that, who was um, the defensive uh, eraser that if you made a mistake, he cleaned up every mistake that you made, or you need a, uh, a Tremont Waters pressing uh, or pressuring the ball at the top of the key and creating a bunch of turnovers. You need something else. Last year, LSU didn't have that something else. They just had a bunch of kind of six, four to six, eight guys who were big and strong, not particularly lightning quick. And other than Skylar Mays, not particularly likely to get a bunch of steals. The press one will give LSU that thing, I think, to hang their hat on. But two, speaking of personnel, they are about to get better defensively with personnel when they get Charles Manning back and when they get Josh LeBlanc back. Charles Manning in particular on, uh, what's today? Today's Wednesday. I'm losing track of the days, as you can tell. On Tuesday, uh, which was yesterday, Charles Manning tweeted, and by the way, he quote tweeted me, um, just patting myself on the back for getting the first scoop that I've had in a long time. I asked Kent Lowe. He said it counts as a scoop. Charles Manning quote tweeted me um, basically saying, hey, when Charles Manning and Josh LeBlanc get back, it's going to help LSU defensively. He quote tweeted that saying, I'm back. Everyone got excited. I got excited because I got a scoop. Every LSU basketball fan <laughs> got excited because they got a great defender back and, a, by the way, a really good scorer too. And Will Wade did pump the brakes on that just a little bit on his radio show Tuesday night. Finally, before we go to our next break, uh, appears great news today. I know that Charles Manning tweeted out that uh, I think it said, I'm back. Uh, that young man really coming into his well, own. Well, Manning may be a little bit ahead of himself. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Uh, the Manning, Twitter machine got him again? Manning may be a little bit ahead of himself. Let's see how the hell practice goes this week, and then, <laughs> then, then we'll determine who's back and who ain't back. But – but, but if it, when he does come back, if and when he does come back, uh, again, he's another good this, piece. I would say this. He's close to being back. There we you go. Know, I think last year we made a mistake. We rushed Marlin back, and he had lingering. You know, he didn't look like himself till that Georgia game at the end yeah. of the year. And so we really rushed We really rushed him back, and I, I, I don't want to do that with Manning. He's, he, he's, he's too good of a player and could be a very, very valuable player for us. And, and um, he's probably – the last week or so done half of practice um you know we're gonna do some shooting and stuff tomorrow um and then we're gonna practice thursday friday saturday get ready for for tech on sunday but i'd like to see him do you know a full <laughs> practice before we just go off and declare that we're that we're that we're that we're ready to go so um you know hopefully this week we can build up into a into into a full practice and then Maybe I'll feel the same way Charles does on Twitter <laughs> on uh, on Sunday, but I, I think um, I think he's certainly as close as he's been, you know. And and I think Sunday's a, a realistic. Uh, I think it's a realistic possibility, but you also got to understand: do we want to do we want to play him Sunday, and then we've got another week before we play again the next Saturday? So does it make sense to just give him one more week to kind of? wean himself in so we'll figure all that out based on how he practices and how he does but um he's he, he loves to play and he's eager to get out there and I, I i like that about him so we'll wait and see when charles manning gets back i'm of the exact same mindset as will wade not that it matters what what i think but charles manning was so good for you last year and i think people forget how good he was for lsu he wasn't a superstar like he didn't score a ton of points and get you know, a bunch of steals and just dominate, but he was so solid. Like if you go back and look at his numbers, he shot 41% from three. 
Um, his offensive rating was 111.8, which is very, very good uh, in that role. Um, defensively, he can match up in a lot of different spots. Um, he made more than 50% of his twos. Like He was just very, very solid and efficient offensively and then very versatile defensively and he only, but he only played 19 games and he just missed time with injuries it would you know one one thing would get hurt the other thing would get hurt so I'm, I'm with Will just take your time Charles I know you want to play we're excited that you're going to be back um, but don't rush back <laughs> LSU can hold down the fort they've been uh, Andre Hyatt's been doing a very nice job uh, playing it at the three starting at the three for LSU I think that's where Charles could probably pop back in um, but take your time Charles no absolutely no Rush. Okay, now let's get into the fun stuff. Let's talk offense. Let's talk scoring. Let's talk all the exciting stuff that uh, that that we all want to hear about. I'm tempted to start with Cam Thomas because he's the new thing. He's the new shiny toy. He's been phenomenal. Um, Kent Lowe sent me an email this morning. I, I reached out to ask about Cam Thomas and where his scoring through three games stacks up historically. Kent Lowe. Um, did not have that, but he sent me the note that he's using. It's just phenomenal. I'm going to get to that in a second. I'm going to get to that in a second because while it's tempting to talk about the the new kid on the block, um, the brand new toy, I want to talk about the guy who's back, and that's Trenton Watford because I think Trenton Watford is he's not the heart and soul of the team. I think Javante Smart is the heart and soul of the team, but I think Trenton Watford is going to determine – as much as any individual player, how far this team gets. And what I mean by that is this. I'm not saying the season's on his shoulders. I'm saying that his ceiling is so high that if he reaches his ceiling this year and plays to his potential, LSU's ceiling goes up even higher than it already is. And so far, Trenton Watford is playing as well as he could possibly play through three games. His stats are insane. And more than his stats, like his his stats are, are fantastic – he just looks better. He looks more comfortable. I was on uh, Ben Love's radio show in Lafayette the other day um, on Tuesday, and he asked me, I said, you know, Trenton last year was a guy who came in, and he's kind of the epitome of the, the type of player that, that Will has been very successful in recruiting to LSU. When he gets a five-star like Trenton Watford, it's not the top four or five player in the country who comes in, and he's big, athletic, quick, just physically dominant over everybody in every single way, and then probably has some some elite skill as well. That's what you get from a top five, top ten recruit. When you get guys like Trent Watford or uh, Javante Smart's a good example of this, even Nas Reed, who are in the twenty three to twenty seven range in terms of you know top twenty five player in the country, they're right on the. They just got that fifth star. You know what I mean? They're they're uh, the lowest of the five stars, which sounds like a ridiculous thing to say. They are going to be players who are obviously elite, obviously future NBA players, but they have some relative flaw that those top five guys don't have. So for Trenton Watford, to me, it wasn't necessarily a flaw. It was that he was good at everything, but not great at any one thing coming in. He had great size, 6'9", not great athleticism, very, very good athleticism, not a great scorer, a very, very good scorer, not a great rebounder, very, very good rebound. I, I, I could do this all day. This year, all those things that he was very good at last year, he's just turned the notch, and he's approaching greatness with them. And the stats are indicative of that. Um, oh, that was a mouthful, too, indicative of that. Um, they indicated that. Let's go with the past tense instead of the uh, present participle. 
Um, I don't even know if that's actually what that was, a present participle. But his stats are very good. 19 points per game, six assists per game, which is uh, phenomenal for, for a player at his position. Six rebounds a game, shooting 63% from the floor, 50% from three, 83% from the line. By the way, 2.3 steals a game as well and, and uh, 0.7 blocks, so really three stocks per game, which is elite. So he's getting it done in all aspects. Um, I don't think he's fundamentally changed his game that much. He looks more comfortable at the free throw line. We saw that at the end of SEC play last year. Uh, he's taking better shots, only six three-pointer attempts through through uh, three games. It's a small sample size, but he looks comfortable there. Um, he's got the, the stuff to drive to the goal. He's getting to the free throw line a ton um, and, and making them, obviously, when he gets there. So he, he's just turned everything up a notch, which is typically what happens when a guy goes from year one to year two. And I know Will Wade has talked about wanting, uh, feeling like he failed Trenton Watford and not getting him to be a one-and-done type of player. Um, I might disagree with that a little bit in the sense that I think a second year in college is exactly what Trenton Watford needed. And I think he's taken that NBA feedback, put it into play, and uh, you're seeing a player really develop in front of our eyes into an all-around player, uh, an efficient player, and a guy who's getting it done on offense and defense. Um, here's what we're talking about just the impact that Trenton Watford's had and, and really putting a really high label on, on who he thinks Trenton Watford is as a player. You look at Trenton, look no further. He's three of six from three, shooting 50%. Look at his assist-to-turnover ratio. I mean... Second in the league right now. Is it? <laughs> yeah. How about that? I didn't even know that. I'm like his biggest uh, propagandist, and I didn't even know that. I like that, Chris. I mean, we sit here and recite stats all we want. You you know, you you can look out there and just see how much more comfortable, how much better he looks. He's been awesome at the free throw line, shooting it better from three, um, getting that thing in the post and being able to finish down there in the post. He's been he's been great there as well. So he's just an all around um, very, very good player. He's expending a lot of energy, you know, we're putting we're pressing, he's on the front of that press, he's on the front of our one three one. So that requires a lot of energy uh, up top in those in those defenses and, and he's done a He's done a very, very good job with that, also. So, he's just—he's just a complete player, an all-around player. You know, in my opinion, he's—he's the, he's the best player in the Southeastern Conference, and and we've—we're—you um, um, know—we're we're very excited about what he's done so far and what he's going to uh, what he's going to continue to do as he continues to get more and more comfortable because it is a new role for him. Last year, we played him mostly at the three, and this year he's played almost exclusively at the four. He plays the three, maybe three to four minutes a game, but the other. 27 28 minutes that he's out there he's playing the four and so you know as he continues to get more comfortable understand those matchups and um, you know he's just gonna he's just gonna get better and better and better best player in the sec is uh, is quite the compliment but i can't argue against it trina wofford has certainly looked the part if he's not the best player in the sec it might be cam thomas um the true freshman has been incredible through three games uh, averaging 24 points a game uh, shooting 49% from the field, 44% from the three-point line, 87% from the free throw line. He is uh, he, he's everything that Will Wade advertised and more. Um, th- there's an interesting thing with Cam Thomas, and, and I again, I was asked about this on the radio show I was on the other day. First of all, uh, I'll start here. He's the best freshman scorer I've seen at LSU, period. Um, I didn't see Chris Jackson live and in person. I was like a year old, maybe two years old. When he when he arrived, uh, I've obviously gone back and watched a lot of what Chris Jackson did, uh, Mahmoud Abdul Rauf. Now um, he was he he's the best freshman scorer in college basketball history. Cam Thomas isn't there um, right now. 
he's the best freshman scorer I've seen at LSU, period. I, I'm just trying to think of the names of the guys that have, have come through. I mean, Antonio Blakeney is probably the best pure scorer that I can remember. Ben Simmons obviously scored a lot of points as a true freshman. Um, but I just don't think there's anyone in Cam Thomas's league that's that's played at LSU in recent years. Like, I, I just I can't think of one. And so I, I mentioned the, the message that I sent to Kent Lowe asking about where it ranks so far. Um, and, and we don't have the numbers on that yet. We're digging into the research. Um, but Cam Thomas has scored 27 uh, no, never mind. Sorry, I'm misreading Kent's note. I don't want to misquote Kent Lowe. That's the last thing that I want to do. Um, I'll tell you what. I'll just uh, I'll just kind of read it here. So Cam has has three 20 plus point games in his first three varsity games. He's the first player since Marcus Thornton to do that. Marcus Thornton was a junior college transfer. In terms of freshmen, Tremont Waters had 20 plus points in his first and third games. Ben Simmons had 20 plus points in his second and third games. Randy Livingston had 20-plus points in his first and third games in 94-95. That's probably the three best freshmen in recent times. Now, Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, who I just mentioned, people forget this. He only scored 13 points in his first game. Uh, came back with 25 in the second and then 48 in the third. So he's Mahmoud is, is the top of the mountain, um, but Cam Thomas is getting pretty close. P. Maravich wasn't eligible as, uh, as a freshman because freshmen weren't allowed to play but he scored 48, 42, and 51 in his first three sophomore games as a Tiger. Kent also notes that he topped 20-plus in his first three games on the freshman team. I actually did a story on Pete Maravich's freshman year, uh, if you want to dig that up, when I was at a previous institution, um, wrote about his freshman year. So uh, you could dig into that if you want to. Uh, Kent finishes up with the last player to have three plus uh, three straight 20-plus point games was Skylar Mays, who did it last year. So Putting all that in context, Cam Thomas is scoring at nearly unprecedented levels as a true freshman for LSU. And I, I love his game. He is not like, think of Antonio Blakeney, um, think of even Marcus Thornton. He's not electric necessarily. I, I think he's he's almost robotic. Like he's just mechanical in the way that he, he destroys you and unravels you as a defense. He isn't going to play above the rim a whole lot. Um, I think he, he has that capability. He isn't going to, you know, come off a screen like J.J. Redick and throw up a three really quick. He's just going to catch the ball in the wing. He's going to face you up, look at the basket, and decide where to attack. If you're too far off of him, he's going to shoot a three. If you're too tight to him, he's going to drive and either get to the rim, get to the free throw line, or make one of his little mid-range floaters, which are very, very tough to make. He makes a lot of them, and they're almost impossible to defend. He isn't... Mr. Electric, he is Mr. Robotic. He is a machine. He is a scoring machine in every sense of the word. It's almost Joe Burrow-like. Like, Joe wasn't – I know he had explosive plays, and certainly the stuff he did outside the pocket was incredible in the football field, but Joe just was a surgeon. He, he just dissected you, and that's that's kind of where Cam is right now. Will talked with Chris Blair on their radio show about Cam Thomas and his ability to score pretty much any way he wants to. Edwardsville, he hit those huge threes for us. When, when things got a little tight, he hit huge threes. So he can play in the big moment. Against St. Louis, he missed the first couple threes because St. Louis had changed the scouting on him. Then he just drives the ball at will to the rim to finish. Last night, he shoots 10 free throws and is 9 of 10 from the free throw line, attacking and drawing fouls. He can do it any way you want it. He can drive it. He can get fouled. He can hit deep threes. Anything you need to score, he can do it. 
that was Will talking about him as a scorer, and obviously he's very advanced as a scorer. I actually enjoyed more Will talking after the Southeastern game about Cam as a personality and as a person and as a worker. And I, I think that's why he is the scorer he is, because of the work ethic he brings to the table, because of the mindset he brings to the table. I remember talking to Will during um, during the, the shutdown, kind of during the summer when nobody was really doing anything, everyone was in their home. And he was talking about how, how Cam basically had a, a gym around the corner that he that only he had access to. I think it was like a high school gym or something. And he basically went in there by himself every day and worked out, like literally every day. And he just... Will was just talking about his gym rat nature while everyone else is kind of in their homes and trying to do in-home workouts. He found a place he could get to safely um, where no one else was going into, brought his own basketball, walked over there, and got his work in. And that's just the kind of guy he is. He's going to put in the hours no matter what, um, no matter where he is, no matter what circumstance he's facing. You're seeing that work pay off. Here's a way talking about the personality that drives cam thomas to be the scorer that he is he's so focused man i I, we give a quiz before um before the game i I do it verbally now and uh, you know i asked him about his matchup i said give me one strength we had three strengths on the scouting report he knew all three of them bang 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 i said oh cam stop i mean he's just so laser focused and locked in on 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 every detail of everything that goes into the game and goes into his preparation, just how he shoots every day, and he just has an unbelievable uh, routine and a, and, a, and a discipline to everything that he does that's, that's, that's very, very impressive. If you know anything about Will Wade, you know that he values routine and discipline just about as high as he values anything. So uh, high praise for Cam Thomas, who's, uh, who's only going to get better. The next step for Cam Thomas will be adjusting to defenses that adjust to him. Uh, teams are going to throw different things at him to try to slow him down. They're going to look at him as the fulcrum of LSU's offense, and if you can take it away, you can slow down what LSU does offensively. I think he's he's poised to handle that just fine because of what Will just said. He can score any way that you need them to score. He can he can play above the rim. He can I'm, I'm sorry, he could play at the rim. Uh, he can attack the rim. He can get to the free throw line, and uh, obviously he can step back and, and hit threes. And I think he's got more in his arsenal. I think he's only shown just a little bit of what's in his scoring arsenal. So very excited about him, very excited about where things are going to go for him. He and Trinan give LSU a really, really effective one-two punch. I want to wrap up the episode with just a couple more sound bites on, on things that uh, that stood out to me from Will's press conference uh, and from Will's radio show. This The first one is, is um, related to Cam Thomas and the, the success that he's had. And it's Javante Smart. Javante Smart um, has been very, very good through the first three games of the season. His stats don't pop off the page necessarily. Um, he hasn't had a, an explosive scoring game so far or anything like that. But he's been very consistent, very steady at point guard. Uh, through three games, uh, he's shooting 56% from the field, which is great. Uh, he's shooting 50% from three, 8 of 16, which is obviously great. And uh, he's averaging 12.7 points per game. He's averaging 3.3 rebounds per game four assists per game, which I think that's a number that'll go up just a little bit, and a two-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio. So, I mean, it's just very, very steady play from a guy who was very, very steady in SEC play. If you go back and look at his SEC stats last year, was extremely steady, extremely consistent, had a little bit of a up-and-down start to the season last year, but really found his footing, and I think he looks even more comfortable now at point guard. Not a Tremont Waters type of point guard who's going to get 10, 11, 12 assists, although there might be a game where he, he gets that. More of a scoring guard, 
um, but has adjusted well to that point guard position. And Will Wade talked about that adjustment for Javante Smart, how difficult of an adjustment that is for any player to make at this level and how well Javante has made it, um, certainly at the end of last season and the beginning of this season. The toughest transition to make is when you're a scoring guard like him to figuring out, all right, when do I need to be the scoring guard that I am, which is what we want him to be. We don't want him to be anybody that he's not. And when do I need to get others involved and, and, and move the ball and and be you know be more of a pass first point guard and I think last year it took some it took some time for him just to get comfortable with hey this is the time I need to to press it and do what I do and score and this is the time I need to share that ball and move that ball and make things happen for other guys and and this year he just has a much better feel for that he's older he's a junior the team the team certainly uh, understands he's one of the leaders and and, and he has a a big, big voice with our uh, with, with our group, and so they, you know, it's it's just it's just been a little bit easier transition for him, and there hasn't been that learning curve that there was last year. And he's just very comfortable with who he is and how he plays and what he does, and, and he knows, um, you know, he knows he knows the right times to pick his spots and the right times to make sure you know that our that our team's getting involved as well. One guy who had a breakout game against Southeastern was Mawani Wilkinson, twelve points, six rebounds. Um, like I said earlier, really, really effective in the press. A guy who had been relatively quiet for his first two games of his collegiate career and then obviously was fantastic against Southeastern. That's a guy who's going to play a big role for LSU, especially as Charles Manning kind of gets his footing. Um, they ease him back in, try not to rush him back. Mwani Wilkinson is a guy who can play the three, he can play the four. I tweeted during the game that Spider-Man meme of um, the two Spider-Mans pointing at each other, and I said it's Marlon Taylor and Mwani Wilkinson. Um, and what I meant by that is they're very similar players, incredibly athletic, versatile. But I think Mawani is a guy that Will Wade trusts a lot, and not just a lot for a freshman, which is is um, saying a lot, but just trust in general because of the way he approaches the game, uh, his his makeup, his demeanor, his IQ. They love Mawani Wilkinson, and uh, Will Wade, in fact, called him the answer. I was, you know, our defense hadn't been very good. I was, I was so mad about our offensive rebounding these first two games because our defense hadn't been great since we've been here, but we've been elite offensive rebounding, and we just, we just, we didn't offensive rebound like we needed to. Now we don't miss as many shots, so it's, there's not as many shots to offensive rebound. But, um, uh, and Wani's the answer, man. I mean, he has five offensive rebounds. He's got a knack for the ball. He can finish down there. He's an unbelievable athlete and. Um, he guards. He, he, he's gonna. He's going to. Uh, his role is 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 gonna increase. And he's mature. He studies. He was watching film yesterday, trying to correct some of his defensive mistakes. And I got a real trust in him. I got a real trust in him. And, and he's gonna be a, a a big big part of of, of our team this year. And, and 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 certainly moving forward, his role is gonna gonna increase. He fits well with the with the guys we got. One last player that Will Wade brought up on his coach's show and I, I just had to play the audio it's too good to not share with you if you missed the coach's show uh, he talked about Josh Gray and Josh Gray is a guy that caught my eye against Southeastern because not only did he come in and, and do some things um, got a couple dunks it was watching his teammates reactions on the sidelines to his success that signaled to me that how much they, they like him uh, personally how popular he is on the team his teammates got really excited when when he got in the game and, and did some productive things. And Josh Gray was a, a late addition, I guess late addition, relatively speaking. He was one of the last guys to sign in this class. Uh, big body, 
Um, not a super high rated recruit, not like a four star. I think he was probably like a three star player um, from New York. Um, but uh, LSU needed a big body, and, and they went and got Josh Gray. And so your expectations with those kinds of guys are, are you know pretty limited. You don't expect them to come in and start necessarily, but your hope is that they can come in and give you something different. From my perspective. And that appears to be what Josh Gray can do. And the other thing that tipped me off is if you saw the first episode of Boot Up TV, and if you haven't, go check it out on YouTube. Josh Gray comes across in his interview, it's a, a Meet the Newcomers episode, he comes across as a pretty funny guy. Um, just some of his quotes, he, it seemed like he was trying to be somewhat subdued, but you could see his personality sneaking through. Um, and then I think also I saw on the LSU Basketball Twitter account, we put out a video of the the video shoot from before the season and Josh Gray like did a, did a little dance. So he, he's got some personality is what I'm saying. You saw him express that personality on the court against Southeastern. Um, he, he, he has expressed that personality off the court to his teammates many times. Um, here, here's some, some of the finest audio you'll hear on a coach's show anywhere. Big Gray, we put him in last night. He, he, he made things happen. That, and uh, he's something else now. That son of a gun – I tell you what, we had two inter-squad scrimmages. Maybe I'm the fool for not having played them till last night. We had two inter-squad scrimmages. And I'm telling you, I bet I bet in the month before our first inter-squad scrimmage, he may have had three baskets in practice the entire month. <laughs> Both inter-squad scrimmages, he has a double-double. Both of them. It's, un, it's uncanny. And, he, I mean, sometimes he's, he's – uh, you know, he, he needs to stay locked in and focused on everything. But he does what he does last night. He just runs the floor. He gets a dunk. He, he's, the ball just finds him. He dunks it another time. He, he get, I mean, the ball just finds him. And uh, it's uncanny what he, can, uh, what he can do. He's a live body. He's all over the place. And so um, we're, we're, I, we're excited about him. I'm excited about him. I think he's going to be a very, very good player. I hope he has a good game so all you media guys get to interview him. He is something else. I mean, he he is absolutely something else. Kent, if he has a decent game, you've got to get him to the media room. At all costs, you have to get Gray to the media room. I mean, he he will be a smashing success. Sounds like I've got the next guest for a future episode of Boot Up, the LSU Basketball Podcast. Got to get Josh Gray on. I'm going to call him Earl Gray. Um, that's a tea joke if, you, if you're in the know uh, on, on your tees, if you're up to date on your tees. Okay, sorry. Um, I, I won't end on that bad joke. I will end with a look ahead to what's up next for LSU basketball. If you want an, an in-depth scouting report of Louisiana Tech, who LSU plays on Sunday, go listen to the coaches show. Will talks about them at the end. Um, the next two games are probably the two games that will take place before I record another podcast. Um, actually, I, I'll probably be back after the Louisiana Tech game. I'm looking at the calendar now. Today's December 2nd. They play Louisiana Tech on the 6th, which is Sunday, and then they're off all of next week until December 12th where they go to Atlanta to play South Florida uh, as part of, I think it's called the Holiday Hoops tip-off or something like that. Two interesting games for LSU. Louisiana Tech is good. They they, they are a good program historically. Um, they won 22 games last year. They won 20 games the year before that. They won 23 the year before that. Eric Conkle has won a lot of basketball games at Louisiana Tech. In fact, I'm looking at his record now. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six seasons, five seasons, five out of six seasons. He's won 20 games there and uh, has put together a really good program. So it's, it's going to be a, um, a, a good home test 
for LSU. If you look at some of the metrics for Louisiana Tech, they've only played two games, UT Arlington and Northwestern State. They won both of those games. They were both at home. Uh, This will be by far their toughest test yet. But uh, so far, they've been very efficient offensively. They play a little bit slower. Um, They're they're 245th, 246th in the country in adjusted tempo. Shoot the three ball very well, 43.5% in two games. Defensively, they don't force a lot of turnovers. They allow opponents to make a lot of threes, and they aren't a great offensive rebounding team, which has been a little bit of a heel for LSU this year. They haven't been great, um, as good as they normally are under Will Wade uh, as offensive rebounders or allowing teams to, uh, to limiting teams on the offensive boards. The one thing about Louisiana Tech that stands out to me is they bring they have a lot of experience. They they have um, the 34th in the country in terms of age. A lot of seniors. Um, basically, I, I'm looking at their rotation: one, two, three, four, five seniors play a lot for them. They have uh, their leading scorer comes off the bench, um, so they get a lot of a lot of uh, bench production, and uh, they bring back about 51 percent of their minutes from last year. So they've They've got uh, they've got some guys who have been around um, who who know how to play at this level. Caleb Ledoux is probably their their best scorer. He's uh, shooting fifty four percent from three this year. Um, he he can really fill it up from outside. They have Kobe Williams who kind of runs the point for him. Um, five foot eleven um, defensive pest. Um, really really solid player. Um, they, they've got a couple guys. Jacoby Pemberton. Um, is, has been super efficient for them offensively this year. He's kind of a, a 6'5 wing player. His offensive rating is absolutely through the roof, and, and uh, he grabs a ton of rebounds too. So, uh, But also as a creator, he's, he's got a very high assist rate. So he's, he's probably their, their best player, uh, Pemberton. G- good Louisiana Tech team. It's going to be a good test for LSU. It's, it's the right time for LSU to play this game because you did have the step back in competition against Southeastern. Now you get to test yourself against the Louisiana Tech team. I won't look ahead to that South Florida game. It's a little bit too far off in the distance. So I'll go ahead and and get out of here uh, on that note. Thanks for listening to this episode of Boot Up, and I'll see you next time. Did you hear that during the timeout? Uh, Somebody told me they could maybe hear part of the timeout. Can we tell them to maybe play a little bit of music now? Yeah, you may want to turn that volume up to 11. Crank the volume up a little.